We've all heard some great lawyer jokes. Trust us, we've heard them, all of them. But without sounding too adversarial, lawyers are humans too. In fact, that's the main theme of this podcast. Welcome to The Human Lawyer, the time and place where we have conversations with lawyers focusing on the intersection of the existential and the practical. Rob Harrington is Charlotte Famous, a lawyer at Robinson Bradshaw. You cannot be a lawyer in Charlotte and perhaps not know Rob. His colleague once remarked that as Jerry West is to the NBA logo, so would Rob Harrington be to the Human Lawyer podcast. He's not wrong. Rob's awards and recognitions are too numerous to list. A few, uh, Pride Magazine's Best of the Best, Business North Carolina's Best of the Best, NAACP Pro Bono Legal Services Award, Charlotte Catalyst, Citizen Lawyer Award, Duke Law Alumni Association Achievement and Public Service. And this is even, isn't even half of his publicly listed accomplishments. So you undoubtedly get the point. Have, having the privilege of being in the audience when Rob tells part of this story, he grew up in rural South Carolina at a time and place where going to Duke for undergrad and law school were perhaps incomprehensible. But he did it, and that's sort of Rob's theme. Whatever he gets involved in, he's going to do it. There's a saying that interim Carolina Panthers coach Steve Wilkes coined where he reminds his players, don't let it get in the way. Well, if Rob Harrington encounters an it, the it will be removed. He is a barrier breaker and a way maker. As a lawyer for nearly 40 years, what, Rob, what has Rob learned about himself in serving his clients and his community? Was there ever a time when he realized his life's passions were informing his life's work? And if so, what did he realize? And finally, what might Rob say to a young lawyer who feels lost in their work? These are some baseline questions, but we'll happily follow your lead as so many others have. Welcome to the Human Lawyer Podcast, Rob. Thanks, Kevin. Happy to be here. So I think I was working from memory and about the rural South Carolina point, and so I need that to be confirmed. Is that true? Yeah, so... Um... I think the objective answer is yes, uh, although folks in the sort of thriving metropolis of Florence would, um, you know, it certainly qualifies, it qualified then as a city, um, you know, geographically, but but certainly a small city in, in the PD area of South Carolina. Do you have any family that's still in that area? No, I was the youngest of five, and as far as I can tell, the youngest of the youngest or one of the youngest uh, in our generation kind of across the board from both both parents uh and so and, and both parents have now you know passed on after you know sort of long and good lives uh and so there, there's there's no one left in florence got it so how did duke get on your radar other than just perhaps being high achieving and doing well and uh but you know i, I suppose um i don't know i, I, I think duke um, I sort of, having grown up in North Carolina, you, you sort of think of it as a place that um, is maybe more attached to North Carolina, but here you were in, in the PD area of South Carolina um, and Duke got on your radar. Well, I was, I mean, I was really lucky. I mean, it was, you know, certainly small city, um, you know, rural South Carolina, but I was the youngest of five who had all, um, you know, the, the prior four had had all, you know, sort of overachieved and done really well. And the first the first three were girls. The uh, 
the one closest to me in age is a um, boy, my brother. And they had, the, the two girls had gone off um, to school in the Northeast. Um, you know, one went to Radcliffe before Radcliffe and Harvard were sort of formally together, sort of brother and sister schools. Uh, and one went to Mount Holyoke. And then the uh, the girl who's in the middle, uh, who's you know, 10 years older than me, went to Duke. And, um, you know, Duke was relatively close by. Um, I, I got to know it reasonably well when she was there, you know, when I was really young. And then my brother had sort of gone off to Harvard. Uh, and so there was a pattern that was just easy for me to follow. I mean, in a sense, I mean, in, in some sense, there was there was pressure to follow. Um, but, it, you know, I think through high school and college, you know, I, I sort of took it on as none of this was was really new. Um, and to the extent it was pressure, it was because I thought, OK, you're supposed to perform uh, because you were fortunate enough to have others before you who, you know, performed really well. Um, and then for me, you know, Duke, you know, I think I applied to um, for undergrad, probably Harvard, Duke and South Carolina and decided I was going to go out of state. Um, you know, I really like University of South Carolina, but I was, decided I was going to go out of state. And my father was pretty, he was pretty old and pretty ill at the time. Um, and, you know, he said to me without any pressure, he said, you know, gee, it'd be really nice if you were someplace, you know, pretty close by. Um, and it turned out to be a great decision. Duke for all seven years there uh, was just a great place. So that, that begs the question, because I did not know you had um, siblings at all, but that many who were that high achieving. And so then the question is, what did your parents do? Because they to raise <laughs> to raise such uh, uh, you know achieving people. They worked really hard to raise us, um, and and I mean in that sense they were they were fortunate. We were all fortunate. So my father was born in 1915, and his father was born in 1870. I looked at this closely at one point, 1875, and my mother was born in 1919, um, and both of them were fortunate enough with some of their siblings to, you know, go to and complete college. They went to uh, uh, Methodist schools, Claflin, Claflin College in South Carolina and Orangeburg and, and Bennett College uh, in, in Greensboro. So, you know, there was a, again, we were just very fortunate. There was a pattern set before us um, of, you know, folks going to, to college. And, and that was, I mean, it was very much the expectation <laughs> that you were gonna go to college and that you were going to go to grad school. What types of uh, graduate degrees do, do your siblings have? They were, so all of them were, were um, professors. Uh, they're, wow. I think it's fair to say all of them are retired now. Um, you know, one, one passed away too young, um, but, but all of them ended up um, being, you know, college or university professors. Wow, that's really cool. Um, and you've been practicing law for almost 40 years. Is that, is that good math? Yeah, right, right, right about 35. So I got out of law school in a little bit over 35. I got out of law school in 87. Um, and I always say, I, yeah, tech, I, I did a clerkship afterwards and didn't have time to take the bar exam. So I took the bar exam in February of 89. Uh, first bar was in Louisiana. And so, uh, you know, I'm always pretty careful to say, okay, so it's, I guess it's 30, four <laughs> right around now uh, that I've actually been practicing law. Fair enough. But I've been in a law firm longer. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, 
When did you come to Charlotte? 1999, the middle of 1999. Um, and did you did you land immediately at Robinson Bradshaw? Yeah, I actually came here um, because of Robinson Bradshaw. So I was uh, working on a case. You know, I knew the firm because you know it was certainly on the radar screen at Duke. And I had a a good friend from had a good friend from law school, uh, Steve Lynch, who's one of our our corporate partners. And I knew he was here. And I ended up as because of Steve, I ended up as local counsel for Robinson Bradshaw on a matter uh, that was in federal court in New Orleans. Um, and you know, we sort of hit it off. And you know, somewhere right after the end of that, right after we settled that case, um, you know, one of my partners, Robert Fuller, called and you know, sort of had an interesting conversation about whether it made sense to come back to North Carolina. And we took about a year. My wife, my wife, and I were we met in law school. We were really embedded at that point in the New Orleans community, and I had family there. Um, but you know, we looked forward. We had a son going into. I guess he started third grade when we got here and thought it'll be good to get back to the East Coast. Both of us grew up on the East Coast um, and Charlotte would be a great place to, you know, to, to raise him and, and have a family. And that's turned out to be very true. And you, you mentioned it there in that response. And then um, in our introduction, I learned that your wife is an attorney. Uh, so what has she what has she done for her career? So, so, so I guess Sharon would say she's a reformed attorney. She, um, so she was two years after me in law school. She finished Duke in 89 and had grown up in, she was born in North Carolina, born in Bur in a hospital in Burgoff, uh, Pender County. But um, probably as an infant moved to Wilmington, Delaware and grew up there. And um, she finished, as I said, law school a couple years after me, practiced law for a few years after law school, starting in DC, which is, we spent a, a couple of years in DC uh, and then back in New Orleans. Uh, and then she migrated towards um, initially environmental nonprofit work and then uh, municipal work. She was a, she ran a department in New Orleans uh, for, the, for the mayor. And then when we moved here, she ended up migrating pretty quickly. She was with the city of Charlotte uh, for a year or so, but she migrated to, uh, to nonprofit stuff. And now she's a, um, you know, a VP in the uh, Novot um, uh, Hospital Foundation and, and loves fundraising and development work. Amazing. Um, and that sort of maybe bleeds a little bit into um, your community work, maybe not, but I think it, it, it reminds me of your community work because you know, the intro, the, the, you know, the, those things sort of portend that you're involved in things, but like, for instance, I've seen your name associated with the library, like fundraising for that and um, and leading different uh, types of community related initiatives. So at what point in your career did you realize that like that was important to you and you wanted to get more involved in stuff like that? Probably somewhere in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think early on. I mean, I am. I, um, um, my friend Valeda Fullwood, who's done all kinds of writing and a great book on um, black philanthropy, um, talks about how, you know, we sort of grow up in a setting that is about some form of giving back and giving 
um, you know, I'm trying to remember the name of her book, which certainly includes in it giving back. Um, but, you know, part, part of the, the other part of my sort of family upbringing was that, you know, we were, I mean, we, we, we certainly didn't have a lot of money, but we were in a position because of education and because of involvement in the church and other places to help. Um, and it was, you know, became part of the DNA. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I remember as a kid in high school being pretty active in the NAACP um and other projects at school and I, I was fortunate enough to do the same thing in college um you know got involved in you know the black student alliance at duke and um probably for all four years and um you know did some other community work with other groups including fraternity and then you know when we got to law school makes it hard because <laughs> you're so busy um but you know shortly after I mean, I started practice in New Orleans, or we got back to New Orleans from Washington. Um, you know, I began to get involved in community stuff. And, you know, it ranged from, you know, the board of the Mental Health Association of Greater New Orleans to the Children's Hospital. Um, and it just kind of continues because it's sort of like law practice. If, if you get involved in things and at least you're diligent um, in, in what you do, then people see you at it and it just sort of continues to go. So then the question is, you, you would strike me then as being sought after. It's like, if, so I know, I know he's been involved in X and, and he, so I'm going to ask him about this and I'm sure it's like compounding. You probably get asked to be involved in a lot of different things. And, um, I might be projecting my own, um, challenges on you. I strike that as being, a difficult place to be because you might have to say no. Uh, you might have to evaluate things uh, in perhaps a more critical lens. So how how do you navigate that if if it is if it is something that you're experiencing or or have experienced? No, I think you're exactly right, and and I think so. You know, um, you can sort of do the math on approximate age. <laughs> yeah. I'd say discreetly, I was born in 1962. Um, <laughs> I've never really gotten, you know, good. And I, and I think for the most part, it served me well. I've never really gotten good at saying no. Um, you know, I've, I've gotten better at picking a path that you want to go down. Um, but, you know, like a lot of other people and certainly a lot of other lawyers, you know, you like to help. Um, and so, you know, there, there certainly are times, and I know you've experienced this, there certainly are times when you think, okay, you know, right now I'm doing too much. <laughs> And I'll do better next year. Uh, and sometimes you do better the next year. And sometimes you don't. But um, you know, in that sense, it's 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 been a great ride. And you know, I tell um, I used to, I still do some, but I used to do a lot of recruiting, um, both for the firm that I was with in New Orleans, and then um, you know for Robinson Bradshaw. And you know, I I tell recruits and I tell younger lawyers that you know, number one, you've got to learn your trade. Um, you know, you 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 can't. You can't sort of half do law. It's it's a what, what um, what's the saying? And I remember a, a judge told me when I was in law school. You know, the law is a jealous mistress, right? It it demands your time. Uh, but the other things also give meaning to if if you're interested in it, and it's not for everyone. But the other things give meaning and balance to life, right? Um, you know, you see lawyers everywhere for for all the rap we get every now and then. 
Um, you know, you see lawyers in volunteer and volunteer leadership positions all over the place. I, I suspect it's no coincidence because it's so pervasive. Um, but they also, you know, you 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 can be involved in a you know sort of really difficult matter and have the balance of, you know, I've got to go. I've never done this, but I've got to go coach baseball tonight, and the kids are depending on me. So, you know, sort of snap out of the tension of the day and go coach baseball or go volunteer at church. So, yeah, I mean, it it it's a tough balance. It'll probably always be a tough balance, um, but it it makes life you know sort of more meaningful. I remember. Um, you know, for as much as I have been fortunate and enjoy practicing law, um, Sharon, my wife said to me one time, she said, you know, what do you want to be on your tombstone? It's a little bit of a morbid conversation, right? <laughs> but she said, you know, you know, what do you want people to say about you? Um, and certainly, at least a big part of that is that you, you know, were in a position to volunteer and do some things for your community. So. Mm. Certainly say that among other things. Um, you mentioned your son. Uh, uh, did, has he followed a legal path, or what? How, what's no? So, 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 Jordan, my son, Jordan. Um, first and foremost, I always say he's a fantastic dad. Just the thing I'm most proud of him for. Um, he finished Morehouse in Morehouse College in probably 2013, and then did a graduate program at North Carolina Central University in public administration um, and has been, I mean, he is now in, you know, sort of store retail management um, mm -hmm. and lives in Augusta with his wife and two young daughters. Got a four-year-old and a almost three-month-old. So he's mm -hmm. he's very busy, but very happy. Oh, uh, yeah. Congrats to, to you being a grandfather. Um, so I think, uh, on this podcast, we have been fortunate to have some of your colleagues, and I think um, in the Charlotte legal scene, perhaps it's not fair to just box it in the Charlotte, maybe Southeast, maybe maybe around our country. Robinson Bradshaw is unique, uh, very unique, uh, in the sense that from the outside, very few people leave, uh, and I think that in, in a profession that is very transient uh, for reasons probably wholly somewhat unrelated to where you work. It's just, I feel like it's sort of the nature of being aware. Um, Robson Bradshaw sort of stands as an exception or an outlier to that. So just, you've been there um, more than 20 years and uh, just curious what, how you could speak to that. Um, and what, what your experience and observation has been that, that perhaps makes it unique? So, you know, as with everything, a lot of it is just good fortune. Um, you know, there's, there's good planning. Um, there's also good fortune. Um, you know, we've, as you probably know, we've done a number of things from the firm's inception in 1960 with uh, Russell Robinson and Carlton Fleming and, and Bob Bradshaw um, to that were focused on the client, uh, you know, first and foremost, that, you know, we, we, you know, try very hard not to take any individual ownership of client relationships. And, you know, we don't have a mechanism for reflecting that in the system, which is really different from some other systems that work very well. Um, and that, you know, folks on the outside will occasionally say, well, you know, how do you incentivize people, right? But it's, it's worked fortunately really well. Um, 
And, you know, the other thing that, you know, we sort of say in all of our literature, it's true, is, you know, we don't, um, you know, count billable hours as a measure of performance. Um, and, you know, the goal there, the principal goal was, you know, have the right people put in the right amount of time for a client's matter. Um, you know, the side effect of that, and I think sometimes if you if you listen to Russell, probably a little bit more than a side effect, was it's just a more pleasant way to practice law, right? So, you know, it's a super competitive profession. Um, and the more you can do to tamp down the normal avenues for com competition intra-firm, uh, the more pleasant it is, um, you know, to practice law. And then, and I think we've been fortunate to recruit well. Um, you know, we're, you know, we, we, we are very transparent in saying, you know, this is not a place where, um, you know, we do much one-upsmanship among, you know, the lawyers here. Um, you know, there are different people who are motiv motivated by different things. But I think if you're transparent in your recruiting, um, and cautious in your recruiting, um, both lawyers out of law school and occasionally lateral attorneys, then you're more likely to get folks who are in it for the long haul. Um, and then just realizing, and I think, you know, all firms work at this, but realizing that there are seasons in life, right? Um, and you go through periods of, you know, taking care of kids and sometimes parents and, um, you know, doing other things. And I think we've always been very open to people, you know, needing to do that at particular points in life and then to come back um, or to fully re-engage. So, so part of it is once you get it going, it's easier to replicate um, that type of environment. And, you know, part of it is, is the good fortune of having stable clients um, who, for the most part, I think, recognize the value of not having attorneys coming and going on their matters. Sharon, um, so in your next four years as a lawyer, what uh, what's on your mind? What are you, what, what are you hoping? Uh, is there anything that you haven't done or perhaps you've done but would like to do more of uh, that uh, that you're hoping to uh, achieve or, or sort of take advantage of in, in this next season because for for me from the outside looking in like you uh i feel like this is a next season i guess and now i'm sort of uh your grandfather you've been practicing for a long time and so you'll have a lot of people newer people in the profession like me who sort of look to you or, or either from afar or directly at, at a place like robinson bradshaw so What's next? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, I'm, you know, if you're right at 60, you're, you're, you know, somewhere closer to the end of your time practicing than you are to the beginning. Um, uh, it, you know, the, the question actually makes me reflect on how fortunate I've been um, and, you know, folks around me have been because there's, you know, there's not a whole lot different that I want to do. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I anticipate and hope to be here at the firm for, you know, another several years and practicing, you know, as long as I've got the, you know, the wits about me, um, and energy to practice and, you know, knock on 
find some wood, knock on wood, you know, that, that'll be for a while. Um, and then I'll, you know, I'll certainly stay engaged in the community. Um, you know, it's once, once that momentum is there, it's, it's hard to stop and more knows I wouldn't want to want to stop it. And so, um, I mean, I think it's another several years doing pretty much what I'm doing. Uh, yeah. The other thing, I guess, and, and this is a little bit of digression, but that I, I enjoy now more than ever is working with young lawyers. Um, you know, I was talking to a good friend who said, uh, her father was a lawyer who's who's still alive but has retired and so someone asked him one time what gets you up in the morning and he said you know fear <laughs> what do i got to do today what did i miss yesterday but you know that's the case i think for all of us certainly for, for all good lawyers um on the other hand there's also just it's it's really motivating i find to work with young lawyers um and young lawyers who really want to learn um and develop into you know, professionals. And, and I think over the last two or three years, I found that more motivating than ever. Mm-hmm. I'll keep doing the same thing for as long as the good Lord lets me. <laughs> yeah. All right. And we're, we'll be better for it uh, and better for it for having a chance to speak with you today. So I appreciate your time um, sharing a part of your story and uh, just grateful for that. So thank you, Rob. Great, Kevin. Thanks. Thanks for all you're doing. I think this is a great project and um, you know, look forward to, to hearing more about it. Oh, thank you. Um, it's a, it's, it's been a, uh, it's a story for another day, but it's something that has really started it probably three years ago and um, has been life-changing, I would say, in, in really ways that um, could never have predicted. Great. Well, have a great day and a great weekend. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, take care. Me too. We need to recognize that this is possible because of the hard work and support of the well-run media team. They make this easy. And speaking of easy, big thanks to Huga Coworking for access to their studio. And of course, the lawyers who agree to take time out of their busy, busy schedules to be here, even though we're sure they have better things to do. So thanks for saying yes.